Today in the podcast, we're talking about ideas. More importantly, how do we turn great ideas into action? My guests are the hosts from the Common Creative Podcast, Chris Meredith and Paul Fairweather. And they told me that when it comes to collaboration around ideas, what's required to generate ideas looks very different to what's required to mobilize people behind them. Today, I give them a call to talk all about how we can turn creative ideas into collective action. Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, liftoff! Joining me on the phone and for the very first time is not one but two very clever people. Paul and Chris are both leaders in creative thinking who co-host The Common Creative, a podcast on a mission to open up the discussion about creativity in business from the perspective of both creatives and business people alike. Paul has a background as an award-winning architect and is also an artist, speaker, author, and mentor. Chris is an award-winning photographer who's also a speaker, mentor, coach, and facilitator. Together, they pack a creative punch and love sharing their insights on innovation, problem solving, and design thinking. Paul and Chris, welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. It's so great to have you both on. It's great to be here, Shane. Thanks for inviting us. I'm really curious to see how this goes because um, this is the first time I've done a Phone Calls with Clever People podcast where we have three people on a phone call together, which is, it reminds me of the old school days where you'd get the landline, you'd dial the extra number, bring a third person in. <laughs> Who knows how it's going to go? Yeah, um, the, two, the two phones together, well, then you go after the pub and let them talk to each other. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, well, I used to do it where you would, um, you would call somebody and you would want to know what they really think about you so you'd third person call the other person and go hey what do you think of Shane and Shane would be silently in the background <laughs> listening to what that person would have to say well for, for listeners I'm uh, Chris I'm Chris I'm the one with the English accent so maybe that's one way of helping people understand the difference in Paul from Queensland and me from originally from the UK all right that's good that's good to know that's that's super helpful hey w- w- one of the things I do at the start of every podcast is kick off with some fast facts and so I'll start with you first Paul um, the three fast facts is uh, where were you born what was your first job and then what do you do now I was born in Townsville far North Queensland my first job was selling form guides at the races, at the dogs. Uh, okay. The Thursday night dogs at the Gabba. And what do I do now is a very good question. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm an artist, writer, speaker. Amazing, amazing. How about you, Chris? I was born in Gillingham Mews in London. You could hear the departures being announced from Victoria Station in London, where I was born. Um, my first job was a holiday job making bus floors at a local factory. It was horrible. We had this industrial size machine, a bit like an enormous toaster, and you put these bits of rubber in them and it squished them and burnt your hands in the process. But I earned a few few pounds, as it was then. Um, for my, for my work. And what I do now, I'm a teacher, facilitator, speaker and writer. Um, I help people create, capture, and oh, and, and a photographer. For Paul's reminding while I, uh, um, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a sort of semi-professional photographer and, and an artist. Uh, it's one of the reasons Paul and I met each other. Um, but I help people create, capture, and communicate great ideas. That's how I earn my living. And Paul, um, how did you not throw architecture in that introduction into that story about something that you do? No, because I don't, I don't do architecture in, in a sense anymore. I, 
I, I now metaphorically make space for creative people, uh, for people for, to be creative. But no, after a, a career of, of 40, 40 odd years, I've, I can't say hung my shingle up because that sort of means that you're gone into business, but I've, <laughs> I've hung it up in the cupboard, uh, I say. Right. I've put it in the drawer, um, third drawer down, one of those things that you, know, you might need sometime in the future, but you, know, you never know. Well, my assumption is that you just be an architect. I don't think you ever can just stop doing it, right? I mean, I, I like the transition that you've gone on and how the way you describe your, your new way of architecture. Um, but you were, you were quite accomplished as an architect, were you not? Is, this, is, is that a rumour that I've heard? Uh, yeah, look, I, I, yes, I suppose so. I, I think I was a, a good architect with moments of genius uh, or moments of greatness, but I was generally a good architect. Uh, I get, let, I let me jump in here because Paul Siling is I was going to say, please do. Light under a bat. He's an award-winning architect. This guy we've got on the call is also um, a painter who's an Archibald finalist. Um, and he's a, a TED speaker as well. He's spoken on the main TED stage in, is it LA or California? Somewhere in California. Long so Beach, California. Long Beach. Like we've got a rock star with us today. <laughs> I definitely feel like that. I often say to people, like, if I had those achievements, they would be in the, you know, like, hanging on the wall behind me in every Zoom call. So it was like front and center and present. Um, I would not stop name dropping that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so great to have, the, have you both on the, on the show. Um, I, I, have, I was privileged to be able to come on your um, podcast as well and have a bit of a conversation about creativity. Um, I, I'm, the thing that's so curious to me in all of this is that um, you are both working together in a really collaborative way, but you haven't met in person before. Um, Chris, tell me a little bit about the journey of how you how you both came to know each other. Yeah, we were introduced by a mutual contact, a guy that you probably know yourself, Shane, a guy called Paul Worth. And he spotted that we're, we're both slightly weird in uh, hopefully a good way, which is that we're, we're both passionate about um, creativity and ideas, building businesses in that area. Uh, but on the side, or maybe not on the side, we're both artists. So for, I use a camera to, for my art, Paul uses a paintbrush for his art. And he, he, it struck him that we have the same habits and the same way of looking at the world. And he put us in touch with each other. And so we had one of those kind of slightly embarrassing Zoom calls of who are you and what, what's going on. And it turns very quickly from that into, this really does click. We've got a lot in common. Maybe we should start a podcast, which is where our relationship started. And just recently we've launched a, a learning program called Ideas and Stories That Matter. So it's going from strength to strength. Yeah, I mean, Paul, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Like you've, you've interviewed a lot of people um, on the Common Creative podcast. Um, what have been some of the big takeaways or things that you've kind of noticed or observed in this creativity space from all the people you've had conversations with? Look, the, the thing is uh, the unexpected, I suppose. We, we've had both creatives like mm. yourself on board. We've had people that are CEOs. We've had people that sort of say, oh, well, I'm not really creative. But, uh, but you know, then they turn out to be creative, they, they find out. And I, and I think that the big takeaway has also been that they all come with ideas and stories, um, and, and, and they're always linked, uh, and, they're, and they're very mm. powerful. One of our guests, Rory Jeffs, who at the time was the CEO of Opera Australia, and was a, is a helicopter pilot, and he tells the story of buzzing some famous composer's house, I'm assuming dead on who, who he was, but, and on his headset he was playing this music, and you're not supposed to do that, you're not supposed to only have in your headset, you know, communication with power. But he said he was doing this, you know, amazing left-hand, right-hand brain, you know, inverted commas thing, where he was totally immersed in his music, but totally in control of the helicopter. Um, 
and, and it's gems like that you get someone who you know is a CEO, a trained singer, but a CEO, mm. and you go, oh my God, I have just you know had the best description of you know that uh, phenomena yeah. that I've ever heard. Um, That's fascinating, Chris. What's been kind of your experience thinking of that? I, I sort of went into the podcast with this this idea that that um, business needs to be more creative, that it's it's losing, it squishes people's ideas, and it needs to be more flexible and open to. Mm. Creativity and therefore innovation. And and through the podcast, I've learned that the idea is much bigger than that, much beyond business. And I think what for me, one of the big learnings is that creative is, is something for your mental health, for your well-being, as well as a tool that you can use to crack problems and so on. And that the ability to express yourself and share your ideas is a vital way of feeling good about yourself and getting feedback on what you think. Uh, uh, so it's, it's basically something that everyone should do, no matter what role they're in, whether they're at work or not at work. It's a big idea. And I don't know why it seems to be something that's left behind, usually at primary school or maybe school. Um, we should all be creatives. Yeah, I, I agree. I often describe, people will say, what do you do? And I say, well, I work with leaders and teams and you know, develop leadership capability. And then people go, well, who are you? And I would describe myself as curious by nature and a creative at heart. And I think, you know, all of us, we, we, we grow up with this, you know, incredible imagination and this creativity and this possibility kind of perspective. And then, you know, whether it's through school or whether it's through work or through university or whatever that pathway takes us, it tends to just like crush the creative, um, the inner creative in all of us. And I think what I love about you both is that you're, you're peeling back, some of the layers of, um, you know, uh, I don't know, misinformed thinking that sit around my personal creative capacity and through the podcast and through the work that you're doing is you're unleashing that in people, which I think is, is really, really cool. What do you think are some of the big challenges you're seeing for people who maybe are in a, a leadership space or a professional business space when it comes to their own creative capacity or when it comes to bringing their own ideas to market? What are the big challenges you're seeing? I think one of the big challenges is that people uh, say they're too busy to have a you know a creative hobby, and mm. and the reality is that we've seen that people that you know do maintain some sort of creative hobby are more likely to take that into the uh, into the workplace. Um, so it's partly a thing about understanding and misunderstanding. You know, obviously, you know, a creative hobby. Or art or painting and stuff, you know, creativity is a lot more than that, as we as we all know, and as your village, mm. listeners obviously know as well. But it's really that thing of sort of permission. And we had one guest on our show, uh, uh, Airy, uh, sorry, Alexi Airy, who's the head of Gateway Bank, and uh, and she's incredibly creative, and she takes it into the workplace. So she's a young female CEO of a, of, a, of a bank in Australia, but she paints and she's done stand up and improv and all sorts of things. And, you know, and she gives herself permission. So it's what you're sort of saying about these layers we put on. So I think the big thing is mm. people, you know, standing up and saying, I am creative. And, you know, and the easiest way to do that is, oh, you know, I've got one guy who's hoping to be a client soon. He says, oh, I'm, I'm going to take up watercolours when I retire. Uh, you know, I quite like doing watercolours, you know. <laughs> so, so I sent him a set of watercolours and said, don't wait, mate. You know, like, get into it now. Um, yeah, it's a, a very fascinating story. Lexi Airy, uh, who Paul mentioned just then, um, she was promoted from a marketing role to be chief executive of this bank. And to prepare herself for that new role, she did a course in stand-up comedy. 
Um, and I thought that was how, how liberating because she knew she'd be on the spot. She'd be kind of behind a microphone and obviously an expert in marketing, but many other aspects of running a business she didn't know. And she would have, she, she needed, she realized she needed to know how to respond to a situation in front of her. Um, I thought it was a great example of creativity from a leader. Mm, I think there's this often, I think we've even talked about in the past, which is this misinterpretation between being artistic and being creative. Um, and we think about creative people, like even um, when we promote creative events, you see some people talk about, we use paintbrushes as the, the imagery, or we use like music as the imagery for it when we're promoting creativity or, you know, all kinds of things. Um, and so it's really, I guess, number one, reinforcing that we all have a creative capacity and we all have the ability to bring out creative ideas and I mean, we could probably talk all day in this conversation about how to come up with ideas, where do ideas come from? And I mean, there's a thousand different podcasts out, out there that do that. What I'm particularly interested about what you're both doing is you're not just teaching people how to come up with great ideas and bring out great ideas, but how to actually get other people to mobilize behind those ideas. Like where did that come from as part of the work that you do? I might jump in on that. Um, I used to work in, in big business many, many years ago, and I saw so many great ideas vanish. Uh, and it struck me that it was a kind of waste of talent, waste of energy, and, and there's got to be ways of helping people get their ideas across and acted upon in business. Um, so there's, there's, there's a couple of ideas I've, I've I've been promoting, which I think are really important to recognize around creativity. Um, the first is it's it's really easy to kill ideas. We're all trained to kill ideas. We know how to critique, analyze, judge before an idea might be ready to be um, given that kind of treatment. Uh, so, so we need to learn the skill of suspending judgment and working with an idea, even even if you feel a bit uncomfortable with it, so that it's allowed to grow to the point where it's ready to be judged. And, and that's a very specific skill. Some people tell me it's it actually feels painful to, to do it. And so I encourage them to kind of enjoy that pain in a funny kind of way. So you've got to work with these ideas to build them up before you can kill them or at least judge them. Um, that, so that's, it's, it's about stopping waste. So helping people get their ideas across to others. And that's why it matters. Yeah. And, he, and what about your thoughts, Paul? Look, I think it comes down to the sense of collaboration. Um, I think I've mentioned before, I have a thing, a word I coined called collaboration, uh, <laughs> which is the, uh, um, you know, when people are pretending to be cl collaborating, but they just want to get their own way. And I, and I think it's, it's about, it, it is about collaboration. And what I have found um, is that the, the biggest insight that I've got is actually been working with Chris. Now we've, we've been working together on this podcast and then we've been working, this is on a collaboration, not collaboration, Chris, <laughs> uh, is that there's this thing about, you know, bouncing things off and doing things and working on different strengths and stuff. We recently had uh, a neuroscientist on our show, Selena Bartlett, from a Brisbane uh, lady originally, but has worked in U USA for many years. And she sort of says that, you know, they've got new science behind this whole thing of brainstorming that when you're in a group of people talking about ideas, different parts of different brains are firing at the same time. And that's where you get this sort of movement. So if you can get in a room that, you know, and people, you know, and, and they can park the ego at the door, they realise that whilst they might not have been the original spark, you know, it's not the spark that creates the fire you know it's it's a bit like Derek Sivers it's the the, the first follower the power mm. of the the first follower um, 
and it's that that idea and so and chris and i just do it you know um on a one-to-one basis but we just see it all the time as we work together Mm, i'm so glad that you touched on that because i think uh, a story comes to mind. We we we're in. I'm in Melbourne, where I'm I, um, I'm coming to from today. And so one of the things that I found was um, when we opened up things a little bit more and we started going out and seeing people, we were like, oh, we'll go out to maybe just the winery, just kind of you know test things out a little bit um, with a few friends. And when we got there, obviously everyone had made that same decision, and so it was absolutely packed and swarming with people. And so they the park the car park was full. And then there was a vacant block of land next to it and people were obviously overflow parking there, but there was no formalized structure around the parking. And so we were one of the first people to go into the overflow. And when I went in there, I literally have an entire empty paddock to park in. And I was like, well, where do I go? There's no structure around this. So I went and kind of just parked in a corner, which seemed natural to me. And a couple of hours as we left, we realized people had all lined up beside my car <laughs> and we'd created this kind of natural sequence. And I, it reminded me of that first follower video, like the power of an idea or of a movement is not in the idea itself, but in the first follower or the person who follows that. And it touches nicely onto this conversation we're having. And I'd love to get your thoughts on it, Chris. Like this idea is like an idea is great, but having the first follower behind an idea makes it uh, valuable. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I completely agree. You know, idea that's stuck in your head that belongs only to you is, isn't an idea. It's, it hasn't been shared. It hasn't been adopted. And and there are. It's very important to kind of be aware of the, your role if you're a if you're a creative. My suggestion is everyone's a creative um, in in helping to get that idea understood and possibly adopted by the people around you. I, I, I tell people not to worry if your idea gets rejected. That's their choice whether they want to. The worst thing can happen is that they don't understand it or that they um, just ignore it. So it's, it's vital to get your idea understood and for people to respond to it. Hopefully with a yes, I'm going to do something with it. But if they give you a no, that's good news. They've, they've understood it. They've made a decision for themselves. Um, but, my suggestion is that everybody, if you have an idea, you should challenge, you should help people understand how to respond. You might, instead of just saying, what do you think? Uh, you might say, what, what excites you about this idea? Um, can you give me a couple of things that I need to improve on this idea? You give them a little framework so that they, they're not gonna give you the, ah, oh, that'll never work, or you know, that classic response. Help them understand how to help you. I think that's a really important little tool to get creativity adopted more widely. Yeah, it was almost like, um, I think it might have been Seth Godin who talked about like ideas, um, like they need oxygen in order to survive. And when we share them, it's giving it oxygen and it's allowing it to kind of get, go out there. Um, Paul, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, well, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about the fact that, you know, you, your ideas don't belong to you. And if you don't nurture them, they'll go somewhere else. And she's got a great story about an idea for a book. I, I, think, I think a couple of things is that, interestingly, we, this week we interviewed an IP lawyer, uh, uh, IP barrister actually you know and he's in the thing about protecting ideas and saying that you know, once you have an idea if you put it on a bit of paper and put it here then no one else can have that idea uh, it, it's curious I, I've just got some uh, turf being put down uh, today in, in a yard it's been a long saga uh, I'm, I'm saying today's a green day uh, the boulevard of broken dreams um, <laughs> but I, I said to him I've got a great name for you for, a, for, a, for your business and he said what's that I said lawn in order because uh, a few years ago he went back to start studying law and he, you know, and I said, lawn in order. And he goes, did you trademark that? I said, no. I said, it's yours, you can have it. 
So hopefully he's trademarked it before uh, this podcast goes to air. No one else. So if it's not trademarked, it's, it's, it's yours. Um, so, but what I was going to say is that thing about first follower. Chris and I spend the time we work together being first followers of each other, and and mm. we build on each other's ideas. It's very much the improv thing of and not but. And I know that when I've been in corporate, you know, in my business, that there was a lot of because a lot of ego and ego is required to a degree to get your ideas through a very complex uh, architectural ideas through a very complex process of getting buildings built. But, you know, around the boardroom table, around the design table, there's a lot of protection. of That's my idea. And, you know, that's you know, my idea to get up and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, Chris and I have transcended that. And it's like it's this constant. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, yes. And. And I think that's the key because that then becomes this thing of collaborating and the sharing the idea. It's not your idea because, you know, and so Chris often, you know, we, and, and we're not protective about it because, you know, we'll do something and we do something together and I might have started, we develop to here. The next day Chris might come and say, actually, I've thought about that and I think we do this. Oh, great. Okay, and we can do this, you know, and, and it almost gets to a point of not who can come up with the best idea but who can improve the other person's idea um, and leave it in a position where they can prove it again, you know. And I think that's the sort of culture that businesses need. And it's a really hard thing because, because there's so much ego in, in the corporates and the lawyers and the accountants and you know, people, you know, attachment to all these different things that, you know, they're so protective. We, you know, we're so protective. That's mine. And, mm. and that's not the way to, not only just to generate ideas, but to get ideas really happening that, that you have this. I think th- there's an interesting sort of backstory to that. Which, which relates to kind of how to, how to in, encourage creativity. I, I think you need a certain amount of self-confidence and belief in yourself, so that you, which allows you to not be protective of your own ideas. That you have an idea, let someone else play with it. If, if you've got a certain self-confidence, then it doesn't matter. Um, you know that there are going to be more ideas, or you know what part of that idea is important to you, and so on. Um, it's it's why it links back to that point I made earlier about mental health. That that if you if you have a a sense of you know what you thought, you know what you do, um, no one can take that away from you, uh, and therefore the ideas that you you generate, the world can have them, people can change them because you've still got what you've got. And I think a lot of people aren't in that situation, and they they have to defend what they create because they think that's all that I am. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a kind of quite a um, a deep point about creativity that you need to be, need to back it up with a, a, an inner confidence. Yeah, I, one of the things I've been talking to people about lately is this this fear that if I've got a really good idea, then another one might not come. And if, if, if you constantly have a scarcity mindset around ideas, thinking that, okay, I can't share this because if, if, if someone takes it and they use it and they run with it, it becomes fantastic. I may not get another one. More often than not, I love giving away ideas because I feel like by the time I've come up with the idea, it's already uh, I feel like I'm already moved on to the next thing. And so when someone <laughs> takes it um, and someone, you know, I had this conversation with someone recently where they felt like they... They said, oh, I felt like I, I stepped over into some of your IP or your language or the things that you use. And I said, oh, please go ahead, use it as much as you like. Call it the exact same thing if you want. Because in my mind, that was three years ago. And I'm looking about towards the future. And so I think one of the things that I'm hearing from both of you in this, which is you know obviously exemplified in how you work with one another, is most often you know when we talk about 
uh, people who are being promoted into leadership, we get promoted or we get rewarded in our career because we contribute great ideas. So when you're in a, a meeting room and you're a leader and you go, okay, I'm going to bring the team in, what you expect from them is come with your ideas, bring your ideas. Then we get promoted into leadership and now it switches. And it's like, well, actually, it's not my job to have the best idea in the room. It's my job to bring out the best ideas in the room. And there's a distinct shift between those two ways of doing, isn't there? Uh, but I'm going to jump in on that because I couldn't agree more with you. Um, and it took me years to learn that. Well, I, I, I worked in big business before moving into my this, the role I have now. And I, I got promoted up the ladder by solving problems and having ideas. And I can remember vividly applying that same principle when I was running a team. And I was dread, a dreadful leader. One of the reasons I had to get out of town and... and do do my own thing um, out of the country by the time out of the country yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I move addresses every few weeks just in case uh, <laughs> but yeah I completely agree the, the skills of a leader are much more about asking questions and creating an environment where other people can solve the problems rather than solving the problems and the irony of course is that to get to be that be given that formal role um, you need to have very different skills. Um, some people make the transition and one of the people talking to you right now didn't. <laughs> I like that. Uh, look, I have two things. The first thing is I'm glad, Shane, that you said about that, you know, sharing your ideas because Chris and I have been stealing your IP for years. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it, yeah. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm, pleased, um, I'm pleased to know you don't have a problem with that. Um, there's a little thing, one of the things that uh, I talk about in terms of not so much of an idea but in stories when you're getting uh, in, a, in a group or in business uh, and you're, and you're you know, developing up a story around an idea, it's important to know what sort of story is, whether it's fully scripted, whether it's um, ad lib or it's improv, you know. Mm. And really, you know, the, the, what we've been talking about, what I've been talking about with Chris is a real improv. Um, but, you know, so many leaders go, this is scripted. You know, we're going to do innovation, but this is what we're going to do. It's scripted. Um, mm. And sometimes it can't be, you know, uh, uh, ad lib. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's got, sorry, sometimes it can't be um, uh, ad hoc, you know, or improv. Sometimes it's got to be ad lib that you start mm. the ball rolling. But I think that's where it should be in that sort of analogy in business. Should be, it should be ad lib. Um, it's a nice, it's nice, it's a nice contrast in terms of the metaphor. Like if you were to think, I, I went to my first improv show um, last year, um, which was really fascinating to see that the way that the conversation builds rather than detracts. Like there's no star or celebrity. It's this really organic collaborative build, and I think it paints a really nice picture of what a team could create if they um, allow for a building environment or an improv style of um, environment. And I, I'm interested, I, I want to get really practical because I think at the moment people who listen to this um, are going, yeah, we've got ideas in our team. Um, you know, maybe we're a, a team leader and we've got this idea that we're trying to sell into the business and we think there's a lot of potential here, but I have no idea how to just get people on board with the ideas. So we've talked a little bit about the collaborative environment, but now like the mobilizing kind of behind ideas and, and that environment that we're stepping into. Like if you were to break it down to a few key ingredients to get people on board with your ideas, what do you think are some of those things? I... I top of the list I put this idea of I mean prototyping I suppose is the buzzword for it. make your ideas seem real um, mm. no matter how half developed the actual idea is um, 
do whatever it takes to make it look like you have brought it out already. If it's a product, can you physically mock it up, or a physical thing, can you physically mock it up? Uh, if it's a service, can you do a dummy website for it? Can you um, record what it would like to call the call center or walk into the store, whatever it might be? Make it seem real because people don't, if you show a bunch of um, dot points on a PowerPoint or uh, you know a, 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 an email that says here's the idea, people are going to judge it in a very different way than if you just go press this button or have a taste of this. Suddenly they're human beings again and they're much more likely to go, you know what, there's something in that idea. Um, Paul has written a book just recently, um, Paul you can tell us about it, but he, we were on a call yesterday and he held up uh, the actual physical book. Um, what he revealed was it was just uh, the cover, the, the words inside are somebody else's book, but it looks like his book is ready to roll. It it's, it's, seems like it's real. So um, that's an example, you could, you could, even if you haven't written your book yet, write the, the, create a jacket for it, stick it on somebody else's book, suddenly it feels like you've got a book. That is a super helpful piece of advice. Because um, again, like I think when we're we're pitching ideas or we're trying to get our ideas across, we try to articulate what is in our own mind, and and that can be challenging. Like depending on how articulate you are, how how um, you know how good at communicating your idea you are, it can be really challenging for other people to see it. But when you give some people something to touch, people something to smell, something to taste, something to see, it almost feels like, okay, I can see the idea now. I can see it looking into some kind of reality. Um, hey, Paul, congrats on the book. Oh, it's not out yet. It's, uh, it's still with the editor. Um, That's all right. So look, the example I was going to give was the book. Um, Chris stole that idea of me. Um, <laughs> he's taking, he's taking yes, your idea. I apologise. First, first, <laughs> first time in 18 months, so we'll let it, we'll let it go to the keeper. I, look, I would, say, I would say two things, and they're, and they're sort of contradictory. And one is the thing of just start, um, a, bit, a bit sort mm. of what Chris was saying. But the other thing was too was also um, give it some time for review. Um, I'm very impetuous, and it's a little bit like your thing about ideas. And when I had the business, you know, at this very, you know, this great... Um, office practice manager and I'd come in and go, I've got this great idea you know? and all these people would scurry away and, you know, like this idea and, and a week later I'd come back and you know, I've got this great idea and they go, but what about this other idea? What, what, what other idea? You know, like, <laughs> uh, and so you know, after a while they're like, yeah, right, right, okay. And so it's about you know, like being enthusiastic about it but really making sure that you're committed to it first because ideas mm. do need a champion and while we're talking about sharing ideas it needs to have a champion and you got to make sure that it's something that you're not going to get bored with um, too quickly so that you can you can actually um, get it get it get it moving um, we we recently Chris and I are talking about the TED talk that Yuri Hassan who's a neuroscientist and he's done these studies that show that when you tell stories uh, I suppose when you tell stories well, um, the bits of your brain that t in the storyteller and the wavelength are the same in the recipient. So and I think that's what brings it back to this idea of uh, linking stories with ideas because as opposed to the idea, the concept of idea generation where you've got different people's brains firing in different parts of their brains that, to come up with ideas, once you want to get you know, an emotional hook into it, it's really that if you put a story in someone's head they're literally going to have a very similar emotional response to that story that you do because their brain is acting in the same way because you've taken it out of your head and put it in their head. And if you can connect with that idea, 
you know, this is a thing about authenticity um, and you can connect that with the idea, then then people can be more engaged with it. So so I think it is important um, and probably a little bit of a, a shameless plug for our new program, Ideas and Stories That Matter, uh, work from our sponsor. Uh, no, no such thing the as first a free... sponsor on the podcast that I've had. <laughs> no such thing as a free podcast. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's this connection of ideas and stories. And this is something that, you know, I've learned you know, fairly recently in my own journey. And I've loved ideas. In fact, I didn't realize the story I was, so I didn't admit I was a storyteller until after, you know, being with Chris for six or 12 months. So it's a bit of been a revelation for me, but, but it's, and, and, and this is, you know, despite a shameless plug, I think it's incredibly important. And it's, and it's been a fantastic insight for me to realize that the power of storytelling for getting people to engage with your idea. Um, mm. and, and look, just as an example, we, we had a Norm McGilvray on our show who started a thing in Brisbane called Bed Down, and he put, he's putting uh, blow-up mattresses in car parks, in basement car parks at night time for homeless people. Uh, absolutely brilliant idea, and I encourage people to go listen to our podcast to hear the story because his story about why he did it is so compelling that, you know, even if you know, that's a great idea, but when you hear his story, even me saying it without even telling the story, I got the... The hairs on my neck standing up, saying, "Oh my God!" You know, so so that that's a great example of what what I'm doing. And, and he's he's, you know, he's got like you know hundred volunteers, you know, and it's all because mm. of, of the idea and the story. You know, he's he's a perfect he's he's our pinup child. Um, he's got a great face for radio, <laughs> but you know, he, he's our pinup boy for that that concept. And you know, and he's a classic example of having, um, you know, how to how to empower a group of people to to get behind you on your idea. Mm. I, I kind of go beyond that It's because it, I think the evidence is that stories are how the human brain works it's the language of connection between yeah. human beings and we kind of know instinctively and we you know kids are great storytellers and when we get home and we moan about what happened at work you know we're great storytellers then and weirdly in the world of business we have a language called PowerPoint and logic and graphs <laughs> and dot points and and it all falls out the window. And, and despite the fact that it, it's, it looks comforting and it fe- seems to be the right way forward, it is not how the human brain gets its head around new ideas or things that sh- should be taken notice of. So storytelling is a thing that I think we all need to work on. It, it's a word for me that connects with kind of kids and bedtime or your mates in the bar. It, it, it should be a word that connects with how human beings engage with each other. Mm, I think the brain is um, incredibly, uh, it's incredible the way it makes sense of the world around us. And and so much of what we do to make sense of the world is we have existing concepts in our brain that we try to anchor things to. And the thing that came to my mind when you were saying that is when people were pitching movies and they're saying it's kind of like, um, you know, it's Lord of the Rings, but set in space. And it like immediately anchors people in the concept, but allows them to explore the new con- the new idea. Um one of the things that I was just quitting, quickly jotting down when you were thinking before, like idea generation 
like for that, we need diversity. Like we need our diversity and of thought and our, our ways of doing things, um, which for people who are listening to this, I've got a, a podcast coming up in a couple of episodes where we, we were talking about the diversity um, factor in ideation and innovation. And what I'm hearing about this is, but for mobilization around ideas, what we need is unity of thinking. Like we need us all to be able to imagine it and to see it and to, to believe that it could possibly exist. Is, is that kind of what I'm hearing? Is that accurate? I think that's a great analysis that you, you want kind of opposition. I don't know if conflict's the right word, but you want, you want stuff that's different to spark new ideas. Um, mm. I think it's very important. Stimulus is, is the way I talk about it. Things that make you go, wow, I hadn't thought of that before. Um, that might be different people. It might be activities or stuff that makes your brain spark in new ways. But you're right. Once you've got an idea, you need everyone to align around it. Maybe you need one story or one anchor that says, that it's like you said, it's, it's Lord of the Rings, but set in space. Good. Okay. We now will get that. We can all now share yeah. that idea with others and build on it and build on it that's mm. a great analysis yes so <laughs> thumbs up i might borrow that one <laughs> still what i mean i've already tweeted it no. uh, perfect 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 i was gonna say what, what are you, what are your thoughts paul um look 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 my thoughts are and it raises uh so many things we we had on uh, a couple of weeks ago ralph curl who's a who's a a sydney photographer now but he's he's a a front runner or a leader in, in, in creative thought leading in this country and he's been doing it for years and years and he's an incredible mind but he he was talking um, about uh, a thing called foresight um, spelled f-o-u-r sight which is a sort of a diagnostic tool um, which amy climber from the states who we had on also you know spoke of and and what that does is and he he said when he was working with big businesses he'd come in and he'd run this test and you need this this balance between a clarifiers, idea, ideators and doers and reviewers. I can't remember what the, what the four things are, but it's a very simple tool. And he said so often, you know, they were so far out of sync, you know, that they're all clarifiers and ideas and they had none of the other type, you know. And he said you have to have a balance and there's sort of a percentage that you need. And I think that's the other thing is it does come down to a team makeup, you know, that if you are all, you know, idea people, um, then... You know, nothing's probably going to get done. You know? <laughs> and Chris and I have suffered that for we a have. long time. You know, we've had lots of very Spent a lot of time doing nothing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of uh, uh, sparky sessions that don't go anywhere. Yeah, you know. Well, it's a healthy dose and, of head and, in the clouds and then feet on the ground. Like it's, we need both of those things. Otherwise, we kind of live in limbo. We, we do, we do. And I think it's, you know, it's about accountability. And I think the thing for us is the accountability is not so much I did this and you did that. But it's actually, and it comes back to this thing, almost a similar thing about on building on the ideas, the competition on the improv almost, is to say that, you know, when Chris, you know, puts his back in and produces something, you know, I go, oh, shit, now I've got to do something, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's all this, this thing of, it, you know, you want to feel that you're not, you know, going for a ride or, you know, that you're basically, you know, yeah, you're being equal. Yeah. And so, and it's not because, you know, someone pointing or hierarchical, you got to do this, you, gotta, you haven't done that, I've done this more than you. It's just like, oh shit, you know, I've got to do something now uh, because, you know, the other person's done this thing. So, so I, I think it is that sort of shared effort. And once you start it, it's not a burden, you know, it's, 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 it's great and, and, and gives motivation, you know, and it's a sort of unusual place for motivation to come from because, you know, it is an extrinsic thing. It's like I've got to, I've got to pull my weight. 
in this process. Mm. There's definitely the action side of things, which is I'm probably guilt, the most guilty of it. Um, my business manager, it keeps me in track with a lot of this because I'll have those conversations with him. Where I'm like, I'm really excited about it. we could do this and we could try this. And I'm, I'm probably the person similar to what you said before, Chris, I, I've mocked up the designs for it already. So like earlier this year, I had this, I was, I was driving in the car and I had this thought that popped into my mind and I used the voice memos on a feature of my phone to just capture it. And it was like a 30 second thought. And so then I was like, maybe I could do this segment or this series where it's like, I'm out and about and thinking about like, that's just like, you know, I'm out and about and thinking about this and just record it and just upload the voice memo as like a transcripted audio. And so I went home and I'd spent the afternoon, I designed it up as like a series. I've did the graphics for it. Then I took it to my business manager. I was like, I reckon we should do this. And he was like, uh, okay. It was like, okay, so where does this sit within like this, 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 and this, and all the other things that you said you wanted to do? And I was like, yeah, it's probably not that important in the grand scheme of things. And so like making sure that the, like the commitment to whatever you do actually can be followed through on that the, that the team are on board with actioning as much as you're on board and the capacity to action it is actually there as well um, is a really crucial part in if we're going to mobilize people behind our ideas, right? Maybe, maybe that's an idea somebody listening might want to pick up. Because I, I love the idea out and about and thinking about it. Because when you're driving, the brain's in a slightly different state of mind. It's slightly more meditative. There'll be different parts of the brain again. So you'll, you'll have different thoughts than, like now we're chatting to each other, we're kind of high, the, the frontal cortex is in, in action. So I think it's a great idea. Maybe it's not the right idea for you at the moment. So one of the listeners please, out there. Please, anyone who wants to take about. it, feel free and use that. And please tag me if you do, because I'd love to champion it, because I, I would love to see it in action because I can't, I can't put yeah. it into place. A small royalty payment, I'm sure, as well, Shane. Uh, <laughs> hey, so I'm, I'm mindful of our time together and, and I want to kind of bring this into close. Like the thing that I've, have, I'm reflecting on our conversation and, and really what I've seen is, is this really nice journey of like we all have creative capacity. We can all be creative and we've all got ideas. But really our job as leaders isn't just to have the best ideas, it's to create environments where ideas can come out. And to do that, we just need the diversity of our team and the, the, the building on of each other rather than the shooting down of each other. Um, but then once we've got ideas, like we mobilize people behind our ideas by one, making it visible, making it feel real, and two, by making sure that we're ready to champion it and follow it through with action. Is that kind of a good summary of what I've been hearing from our conversation? Yes, definitely. It's fantastic. That's that's a great summary. Okay, yeah. uh, I, I think yeah, I, I agree. I, th I think what I've learned from you is, uh, is this uh, this idea of two modes that there there are moments when you want to create, you want to build on ideas, not shoot them down. So, but then when you want to make things happen, there's a different type of thinking, a, a different way of working together, where you're using storytelling, where you're um, anchoring things to mm. help everyone understand it, rather than create more stuff and, and change it again. So perhaps the two sides of it to make yeah. things happen, yeah. Yeah, really important. And both really, really crucial in the creative process and the ideation process. So I want you to imagine, and, and you can choose who wants to go first with this question. One of the things that I often say, like imagine we were going down an elevator, you had kind of 30 seconds to kind of give me that thing where I say, hey, Chris, or hey, Paul, been thinking about, I've got great ideas, I want to turn them into action. Any advice for me, things that you would leave me with, words of wisdom, could be a quote. What, what's the thing that you would leave me with as we were riding the elevator? I'm, I'm going to start. Uh, it's a very tough question to, to do in, a, in, a, in another <laughs> second, but it would be make sure there's space for people to have ideas, the environment and the support for them to have their ideas. But to turn them into action, um, you then need to bring them to life, make them seem real, uh, and, mm. and then the world will jump on board. Yeah, I love that. Paul? 
My thing would be to use the escalator, not an elevator, but go up the down <laughs> one so you have a little bit more time uh, and get some exercise at the same time. Creative. Uh, look, I, I, I would say the thing about, you know, if, you, if you're wanting to do, you know, have a, you know, a creative culture is put your money where your mouth is and, and, and practice a, uh, a creative hobby. Um, because mm. I think that is that that is where the insight comes from, and it's, you know, the brain can be trained and it can help you. And um, yeah, so that, that's what I would say. I would say, you know, take don't wait until you retire to to get those watercolors out. You know, or macrame or whatever it might be that you want to do. Singing, playing the piano, you know, just do it now. That's what that's what I would say. Because there there is a seed there that you need to start, and it's a seed that you need to plant in your organisation, and you've got to practice what you preach. Super, super helpful. Thank Chris, Paul, thank you so much for taking time to jump on the podcast. And, and I, I found this personally really energizing and I could probably talk about this all day. Um, I, I want to give people a last chance. I'm going to put all the details of how people can connect with you and things like that in the show notes of the podcast. Um, but I'd love, you've got a program called Ideas and Stories That Matter, which is really all about both of those aspects of creating ideas and bringing them to life and getting people behind them. Do you want to give me a quick snapshot of what that's all about? Yeah, so Ideas and Stories That Matter came about because uh, Chris and I are both passionate about ideas and stories and we were looking for something to uh, do together uh, and uh, and we had this idea of putting these two things together which we we'd both talk about ideas and stories separately in, the, in our separate businesses so it really is about that it's this whole thing of uh, you need a story uh, to, to help convey an idea and you need to illustrate it and I say inverted commas there because illustration is not just about uh, a pretty picture you know it's a model it's a, a case study uh, a, a metaphor it might even just even be painting word pictures uh, so it's those three things together to be able to create uh, powerful communications whether that's a keynote presentation or just a meeting or a pitch um, that that's what it's about uh, it'll be launched uh, formally in 2022 uh, so very shortly and it will be available if you go to the uh, link on on the notes but it'll be available either live or zoom or in-house with corporates or it will come up on Thinkific as well as a self-paced um, or self-directed cohort learning platform. That's fantastic. Chris? Yeah, and if you're interested, if he, I mean, Paul said it all. If you've got an idea to share, ideas and stories that matter will help you understand how to get it across and out there into the world, get people to take notice of your ideas. Everybody has great ideas, by the way. So uh, it's the kind of thing that would appeal to anybody. Um, and uh, it's in its beta phase right now. If you're interested to hear about it sooner or later, drop me or Paul a line, we can tell you more. But yeah, 2022, we're going to kill off with a bang. And it might be online self-serve, it might be live, face-to-face. -face. I'm hoping one day it'll be, a, it'll be a keynote jointly presented by Paul and I, even though we've never been in the room together maybe we'd be on stage together one day. i would love that i'll be in the front row cheering you both on so thanks so much for being uh on the podcast and look forward to kind of seeing what comes with the program and and listening in on the common creative podcast as well thanks so much for joining me thank you Shane. thanks for having us shane and uh it's it's been great to catch up again that's it for another week of phone calls with clever people thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.